Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 to 9. And then we'll look at our text found in Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 2, familiar verses. Many of you could quote them. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. Please give good heed to what we're hearing here. Allow the word of God to be that which is a light for your mind and heart and understanding. Ephesians 2 verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast may God bless his word to us we're taking our text now from Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16 where it says in instruction to us as the people of God concerning the armor that we're to put on, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. May God bless his word to us for Jesus' sake. This morning we're thinking on that piece of armor that is referred to in verse 16 as the shield of faith. We trust the Lord will allow us to learn of his provision for us through Christ Jesus. Before we go any further, let's just ask the Lord to bless us and to bless his word. Lord in heaven now, I pray that you will bless our time with the presence of the Spirit of God. May he work in every heart here. May there not be any of us that leave this place without the Lord's word to our heart. Lord, I pray that you will overrule that which has to do with our flesh, with our old man, with our deadness, with our unbelief. Lord, that thou will pour in that oil. Lord, that thou will refresh with that water that comes by the Spirit using the word. 
Lord, I pray now that thou wouldst bless us by allowing us to hear your voice. Lord, the sheep need to hear the shepherd's voice. Lord, it's not just something that does us good, but Lord, it is a need. We need to hear, O Christ, your voice in the word today, explaining to us indeed what we have with thyself. We pray that thou wilt then bless. I pray that you will overrule all things that have to do with my shortcomings, my failure of thinking, of speech. I pray that thou wilt allow me to know the help of the Spirit of God. We pray it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. As I said a moment ago this morning, we are considering the fourth part of the armor that we are instructed to put on as those who trust in Christ. The reason for putting on the armor, we know we are to put on the armor in order to stand against an enemy that is far greater than we are. So this morning we're going to consider the shield of faith. I'm sure that the image of a shield is not hard to imagine. And the function of the shield is also easy to understand. The shield is that which intercepts the enemy's blow. However, the shield of which we read here, the shield that we have mentioned in this verse, is said to be unlike any other shield. Because it not only deflects or stops the blow of the enemy, but we read that it quenches or puts out any fiery dart that happens to strike it. In that sense, the defensive piece of armor has an offensive side to it. What is the shield made of? Well, we are told that it is the shield of faith. Let us ask then this morning a very simple but very important question. And that is, what is faith? What is faith? Well, I will be straightforward. Faith does not simply believe something. We are told in the scripture, James chapter 2, that there are some who believe that the Lord Jesus is the Son of God, but they do not have faith. For example, it is well understood that the devil believes that Jesus is the Son of God and trembles. Faith is not just believing something. But rather, as we read just a moment ago, faith is the gift of God. Let me underscore that. Faith comes from God's hand. Faith is that which is bestowed in mercy to dead sinners by God. Faith is the gift of God that turns us To look away from self. Now I underscore those words and I want you to get this in your mind. Faith is the gift of God that turns us to look away from self. 
to look away from evaluating our conclusions of what truth is and reaches out to the Lord Jesus. Perhaps the words that were spoken or words that were preached, I'll put it that way, when Spurgeon was in that primitive Methodist chapel would apply here. A man got up and preached. Spurgeon says, I don't know what he said, but I heard the text. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 21, look unto me, look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. And Spurgeon's comment was, God in his mercy caused me to look And I looked again, and I could have looked my eyes away. That's faith. That you're looking away from self, looking away from your understanding, looking away from all the things that have to do with your conclusions about what is or what is not. Away from self to the Lord Jesus. Or may I put it this way, faith is that grace of God which pulls a man away from all that he has or thinks he is to embrace the Lord Jesus and what he has done. Or let me put it another way. It is as if the man says, I trust in him and distrust all that is in me. That looking away (coughs) and fastening all hope and trust in the character and work of Jesus Christ is what this shield is made of. In fact, I say that faith, that gift of God is to us our shield. Now I said just a moment ago that this grace is the gift of God. Again, so it says. It's not my thought it's Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 it is a gift of God it is not something then that every man has lying dormant in him that needs to come to life let me ask a question of you common sense when Adam fell into sin what happened well using what we just read from Ephesians chapter 2 is our guide to that answer. We'd have to say this. When Adam sinned, he died spiritually. My question is, how dead was he spiritually? When Adam died, in fact, by the way, as in Adam, uh, death comes not only to him, but death passes upon all men. The same conclusion may be said of you and me. When we are dead spiritually, how dead are we? When a man dies, how dead is he to all that goes on in this world? This is common sense. What's the answer to that? When a man is dead, how dead is he to the things that are going on in this world? Well, the answer is he's completely dead. Completely, completely dead. Ephesians 2 tells us that this is then the case for all fallen men. There's not a part that is not dead. Does that mean my will? Yes, your will is dead. Your will is affected by the fall that you are a part of. 
every man, every part of man, is not living spiritually. As a result, Paul makes the comments in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 about the natural man, meaning the man who is yet outside of Christ, a man who has not yet known the gift of God's grace and faith to his heart, the man who is still dead in his trespasses and sins. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 2, that this man receives not the things of God. They are foolishness unto him. Well, the question is why? Why doesn't he receive the things of God? These are important things. These are truthful things. These are powerful things. Why doesn't he receive them? The answer, because he is dead. But doesn't every man have the ability to choose to believe? I'm not going to answer that for you. I'm going to let the scripture answer that myself completely out of the equation Paul makes a reference to this very subject as he concludes his second epistle to the Thessalonians and chapter 3 of 2nd Thessalonians you read these words as he is concluding his remarks to them about the evil that is in the world the evil that will come into the world those who are deceivers those who are false prophets and so forth but then he says this in 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it w- is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked for all men have not faith. who shall establish you. What's he saying there? I'm not trying to interpret or create something that's not being said. He's just simply saying, we are being withstood by those who hate the gospel, by those who hate righteousness, by those who hate truth. You pray that the Lord would give us free course in our preaching, that there would be faith mixed with the hearing of the word of God. Why are we being withstood? Because men left to themselves in their deadness have not faith. It is a gift of God that is planted there by the Spirit of God. And we are quickened together with Christ. We are made alive. We are brought out of our sins. We are brought out of our deadness. We're made to be what we were not. We were corpses, but now we're new creatures. Everything that was old has now passed away. Everything now has become new. I was dead, now I'm alive. I had the spirit of deadness in me. Now I have the spirit of life. The Lord himself in my heart that creates within me faith and the desire to embrace Jesus Christ. Paul says, pray that we might know this free course, this free action among those that we preach to. Well, may I just simply say it. Again, this is just the scripture. I'm not trying to present anything other. The natural man that we read of in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, before faith is given of God, is without faith entirely. He is, Ephesians 2, dead in his trespasses and sins. He needs to be called forth from the grave spiritually as Lazarus was called forth from the grave physically. There must be the effectual calling of God that's heard in the heart. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There must be a time when the word of God is preached and brought home with the 
enlivening power of the Spirit of God that quickens a man's heart and allows him to shout to Jesus Christ in saving faith. But faith is given of God for more than one reason. It is the gift of God. But it does more than one work. It is by faith that we come to Christ and cast all our hope on what he has done to save us. Salvation comes by faith. By faith alone is one of the tenets of the Reformation, the five tenets. By faith alone. Justification comes by faith alone. Further, it is faith that continues to draw us to the feet of Christ that we may enjoy him and have fellowship with him. How is it that you're ever going to have fellowship with Jesus Christ? It is a work of faith. It is a work that is fanned by the Spirit of God. It is a work that takes place as you walk in the light, as he is in the light. We say, what happens? The light of the word, the light of the Spirit of God working in our hearts, fans faith in Christ And we find ourselves reaching out to him and find him reaching to us. We discern it. We find him manifested to us. It is also faith that works in us as a shield that protects us when we are attacked by all the fiery and injurious darts of the devil. Our faith does tell us to try to find a reason in ourselves why the devil is wrong and a liar. True faith from God never allows you, never tells you, never tries to convince you that the help or the solution for the attacks of the devil is found in you. Never. To look inwardly or to try to find the solution in yourself is exactly what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to look at you. You're self-righteous. Your mental acumen. Whatever it is. Look at yourself. You know, and I'm being sarcastic. If you're a better you, you'll have all kinds of successes. No, the more that you find that you're a better you in your own power will prove to be your undoing. It'll make you miserable. And let me say this, that is the call of false religions that tell us that the answer lies within or in some repentant action. The answer is in something either you are or that you do. Faith tells us it is not any of that. Our shield is ever looking away from ourselves and finding in the Lord Jesus the reason and the power why what we are attacked will fall into the sea of forgetfulness and untruthfulness. Rather, let me stress this, it is what is true about Christ Let me underscore that with you. It is what is true about Christ 
that we embrace by God-given faith that quenches everything that the devil hurls. What is true about the Lord Jesus? What has he done? What is he doing? What do I have because of him? Where will I be because of him? What does God think of me because of him? All of these things that he has done prove to be quenches everything that the devil would shoot at us. So, my point to you this morning, my proposition, if you will, is this. You are, then, child of God, one who is to put on the armor. You are to understand what faith is and what it's not. And you are to obey the call of faith to look to Jesus for every need of spiritual defense. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Now I've got three things I'm going to present to you by way of points. Simple things. I want us to think first on the shield of faith. God's giving us faith to work as a shield. I want us to think first then on the purpose of the shield. The purpose of the shield. Now it's an obvious point. That the shield is given as a protective piece intended to deflect or quench the weapons of the enemy that are thrusted at us. Now, some have suggested, and when it comes to the actual size and shape, dimensions, so on, of the shield, that the shield here referred to as a very large shield that covers most if not all, of the body. The reason for this suggestion is that the word for shield here is sometimes translated door, uh, meaning that the size of the shield referred to here is nearly the size of a small door. This would allow for the entirety of the body to be protected. Okay, that's nice to know. But the purpose is not just that you would understand that you have something like this um, that covers you, per se. The thought is that the shield beyond that is meant to protect every part of the body, but also, and here I emphasize, it's also meant to protect the other pieces of armor as well. Now you think about that. The other things that are being worn the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, feet shod, loins girt up, all of these are being protected by the shield of faith. That being said, I want us to understand it this way. The Lord gives us wonderful gifts of grace. The graces are reflected even in the armor mentioned here. As I said, there's the girding that comes from the embrace of truth that keeps the emotions and mind in its rightful place. There is righteousness that protects the heart, a protection that rests in knowing that we are right and just in the sight of God. How many other graces of God could we possibly include along with these things that are suggested to us in Ephesians 6? Well, certainly if you go to Galatians chapter 5, you see things mentioned. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, goodness, and so forth. 
There is the joy that is in the Holy Ghost. There is the strength and anointing of God given for service that we, that we read of in the words of Paul. There is the good courage spoken of in Joshua chapter 1. There is love abounding. And how many more graces can we list from the hand of our God? What protects these in our minds and hearts? How are these preserved from being ruined and How do we see the power of God and rest on a stormy sea? How do we walk out from under the dark cloud of sorrow? The point is, it is by faith. Faith in Christ Jesus. Not in self. Not in ceremony. Nothing that you find in this world will protect these wondrous things that God has done and make them sweet to your soul except faith alone. The point that's being made here Spurgeon comments, I do not quote him at any time today. I just simply offer you a thought. Spurgeon says this. He says that faith is the great universal remedy that cures all wounds caused by the darts of the wicked one. Faith is that which causes all the other graces to be sweet, causes them to be powerful, causes them to be realized, causes them to be effectual or powerful in us. It is by faith that these other graces that we read of in the Scripture are applied to us by the Spirit. When Satan lies and causes fear, what is it that stops his mouth? When he claims that he can see that we have violated God's law and as such have been set aside by God. What silences him? When he claims that we are surely going to perish by the hand of a spiritual Saul one day, what quenches the noise of his barking? It is faith. Satan, you say this, but Christ has done this. Satan, you accuse of this, but Christ has paid in this way. Satan, you come to me with these conclusions about myself or my sinning, or you accuse my God in my ears. But the Lord Jesus says, I sit in heavenly places with him. Now, (coughs) you, Satan, are a liar. I believe on the Lord Jesus. And I believe what he has done. So, faith then in what Christ has done is the answer for everything. And you tell me I can't have peace? You're a liar. You tell me I can't rest? You're a liar. You tell me I can't be used anymore? You're a liar! Because of faith. I say when all these things come upon us and is brought into question and we doubt, it is faith. The looking away from self into the Lord Jesus that puts all these things away. The darts fall to the ground completely quenched. 
Again, I want you to underscore this in your mind. Please underscore this. Again, faith is not belief. Faith is not confidence. Faith is not understanding. It's not something that you work up in yourself. Faith is looking outside of yourself and away from yourself. Seeing the Lord Jesus and resting in what he is and has done. Resting in Jesus. Again, faith is given of God to draw us to himself, to cause us to call out to Christ, and to protect us from every word from the mouth of the devil. Perhaps I can have you think with me over a couple of more verses. Hebrews chapter 12, important verses to know, good verses to memorize. We read there, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now here's the words. A different metaphor being used here, by the way. It's not the soldier in the fight, it's the runner running the race. But still the answer is the same. Verse 2, Hebrews 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and grow faint in your minds. Look to Jesus. Fasten your faith upon the Son of God. Look away from yourself and your own your estimation of how good you are or have been. It will do you no good. Do not look at what lies in you. Don't rest on who you have become in the eyes of those around you. Look away from yourself. Well, I come now to my second thought, and that is, I want us to notice the power of the shield. The power of the shield. When Samson was asked by Delilah wherein his strength lay, the answer was, only in one thing. And let me underscore again with you this. The answer was not in his hair. But rather it was in God's power on him while he wore his hair as God commanded. The hair was an outward show of something that was supposed to be inside of his own heart and that is obedience to God. The power, the strength was outside itself that was given to Keep that in your mind. Keep in mind the power of the shield that protects us perfectly. And let me say this. The shield of faith never fails. <laughs> the shield of faith never fails. But the power of the shield that protects us perfectly is in one thing alone. In Samson's situation, though he claimed the power was in other things, 
He was not. How many things did he point to? Well, my power is this, that, and the other thing. No. Didn't work. It wasn't true. Likewise, no other material of which the shield might be made for the Christian work or service or life will do. It must be only the shield of faith. So let it be understood that your belief or the quantity, here we go, you know, if only I believe more. No, it's not your belief or the quantity of your belief that protects you. And I also want to say this, and listen carefully. The power that protects you is not your faith. As it was not Samson's hair. The power that protects is the one who that faith looks to and gives the protection by his hand. Our protection is not in anything that we have or we do or we employ. There's a lot of people who wrestle with the thought of faith needing to be more or less or whatever. And really what what they end up doing is they have faith in their faith. As long as I have a certain amount of faith, then I'm good. No, 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 no. The power of God that protects you from all the fiery darts of the wicked one lies not in anything that you do or you exercise. It is that which is given by the hand of God. Mr. Spurgeon again said, he said, um, and I paraphrase, our act of looking is not the shield. It is what we obtain from the hand of God as we look that quenches, namely grace, peace, and strength. It is every good thing that he gives along with his son. You know the reference to Romans chapter 8. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? The all things are grace and peace and strength and joy. And so The Lord is going to give us all these things because he's given us Christ. And as we look to Christ, these things we find are ours. But he also, Mr. Spurgeon also says this. He says, Do not be surprised when the shield is knocked and hammered. This is the course of things. We are not given the shield of faith never to have to use it. God will allow your faith to be required of you. The shield does not enable the Christian to escape blows from the devil, but rather to endure them. But the power of the shield is that which is purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, I come then to my last thought, and that is the priority of the shield. The priority of the shield. We read the words here in verse 16 that above all taking the shield of faith. Above all. Here's a statement of priority. The other gifts of God, His graces, His mercies are of wonderful benefit. But here is that which God gives that proves the victorious measure against every possible injury 
to the heart and life. Here is God's overwhelming answer. John comments on this in 1 John chapter 5. He says in verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith is the overcoming power given of God, whereby all things are brought into victory. So with that said, what ought you then to give attention to? Let me say this. We are not to give attention just to the act of believing. But looking away from ourselves. We are not esteeming our believing. We are esteeming the one to whom we look. We're thinking about the Lord Jesus. We're thinking about him, his success. We are considering him. This trust and esteeming of Christ is all victorious. Or may we put it this way, there's not a single dart of the wicked one that is not quenched when you look to Jesus. Here's the great means by which all is won and nothing is lost. And again, here's the power of God that can do what nothing else can. Why? Because though we fall, though we find ourselves weak and filled with unbelief, yet he abideth faithful. The scripture tells us. Though we deny him, he cannot deny himself. He abides faithful. You know, Abraham and Sarah were given the promise of a son. The promise came when the prospect of such a thing was utterly impossible to the normal way of things. And yet, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, it says of Sarah, the one who was weaker, perhaps, in her uh, consideration of the promise, it says, through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Do you understand what that is saying? That Sarah got her eyes away from herself and she considered who it was that had made the promise. And as her mind was set and stayed upon who God was, it found her being one who was marked by the presence of faith and all the other graces that come along with that. So what is the, the message, I say, here that you have from Paul to the Ephesians? Above all, you take the shield of faith because all the other things rest upon the effectiveness of faith. Not faith that's in you, but faith that is given of God. A faith that is worked up, as it were, by the Spirit of God within your own heart to deliver you from yourself. 
and cause you to look away unto the author and finisher of our faith. He comes from him. It's for his glory. It's for his purposes. The author and finisher. Faith comes from Jesus Christ to all those that are his through the power of the Spirit of God. (coughs) So you are then, when the devil stands against you and brings all the things that he will, here to set your mind on the Lord Jesus. Learn of him. Again, Peter tells us at the conclusion of his second epistle that we're to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's the answer for it all. Faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. Not faith in self, not faith in faith. Not faith in what you've done one day when you walked an aisle or said a prayer. Not faith in what you wrote down in a book one day about yourself. Your faith is in the living and risen Christ. He has done this for me. Then that answers everything. Well, amen. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this morning for Jesus' sake. And allow us to be those who, in truth, find ourselves making use of the shield of faith to good effect. Let's pray. Father, now we pray that you will bless this word. We pray that you will continue to use it within our hearts by the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that you will allow us to see how this is absolutely true. May you rejoice our hearts that as we find ourselves resting in what the Lord Jesus has done, we find the fiery darts of the wicked one that he hurls against us, not only with great intensity, but great frequency, that they would all lie at our feet quenched entirely. Lord Jesus, glorify thyself in the hearts and minds of thy people is our prayer this day. Bless us as we leave this place. Continue to speak to us as we walk through thy day. And we pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.